You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday, January 13th, and this week's topic regarding coordinators and assistant coaches is uh, was last week's topic as well. Uh, we'll get into that. We first want to start with uh, the news of Phil Dracovic. It didn't take him very long to find a landing spot. We had heard Virginia and Duke were possibilities, but Boston College is his school for the next three years. Good landing spot. Um, he avoided what often happens to quarterbacks everywhere, the delusions of grandeur when they transfer that it's going to be, grass will be so much greener at places like Florida where you're going to get destroyed by your opposition. Boston College, he can win the job, keep the job, will not be recruited over at Boston College. I think people sometimes forget about that when they want to go somewhere for an undergraduate transfer too, that you're not their last, uh, you're not the only guy they care about in right. the future. So yeah, good luck to him because that's a job he can win and He'll, assuming, especially if he does not get granted a waiver, um, he will be playing Notre Dame as a fifth-year senior in 2022 because he would only have been there playing for one year. Makes sense to go to a place with a new head, new head coach. Also, um, good, you know, yeah. Jeff Halfley's yeah. there, so there's no, nothing really is invested on anybody who's there. I mean, they're a, their former incumbent starter is also in the transfer portal, Anthony Brown, who played against Notre Dame in 2017. So it's a good spot for him. Um, it definitely was not happening at Notre Dame with Ian Book coming back. And I, mean, I think we would all sort of agree that if Ian Book left, that Brian Kelly would describe this as an open competition uh, for the starting quarterback job to replace Book, not that it would have been Jerkovic's job. And I'm sure the way we have heard that when Tyler Buckner comes in, he has a great chance of being a starter as a freshman. I'm sure that Phil Jerkovic heard that as well. And so, look, he made the right move for him. There was never any doubt him and his family were – Going to <clears throat> excuse me, make that move, and it, and it's a it, as you said, Tim. He didn't, he didn't, right. he didn't shoot for the moon with, with schools. This is a place where he knows he can play. He's still in the ACC. He's going to be able to throw and run it as much as he wants. What's the basis for the waiver? I I, I mean, I've heard that, but what is the basis for the waiver? Twenty twenty. Pardon me. It's twenty twenty. It's the modern era. They just get oh. waivers. Yeah, now. yeah. Oh. It's an antiquated well, rule. That, yeah, it, it's it's, yeah. it's an antiquated okay. rule that's going away someday, but. Yeah, I, I really, the foresight of an undergrad transfer has to be greater than the grad transfer who just thinks, oh, I'll go I'll go star here. I mean, he's re- this is a mature decision yeah, by no, him. Good. He can go start right away. Um, apparently, he, he has a female interest at Boston University, so that's that works out really w- well as also. I think I've got a, had a bunch of questions I'm sure you guys did about, like, well, why wouldn't he just stick around if his book's done <laughs> after this year, especially if you have to sit this year wouldn't you just stick around, graduate, play here? And have two years. Or have two years. Yeah, I think that is indicative of how badly he wanted a change of scenery and to get out of here. Um, You know, I I don't think that there was a whole lot of, um, you know, good vibes between him and the coaching staff. I was going to say trust. Yeah, Chip Chip Long is gone. um, But still, it's indicative of how much he wanted to get out of here and try something else that he would – Look at the situation. Assess well. If I have to sit this year, I'm now I'm no closer to starting elsewhere than I am where I am right, right now. Where I I like my teammates. I need something else. So that that's how much he wanted to try something new. And it's also my my thought was the most the most obvious thing of this off season was that at some point they're not going to have four quarterbacks in that room. I did not think it would be pre spring. I thought it would be during the spring. But that is indicative as well, as you point out, yeah. that he had made his decision in right. his mind. You're not going to have four quarterbacks hanging out at Notre Dame. It's the last time they did it. It was 
Frazier, Jones, Sharpley, and Clawson, and it became Sharpley and Clawson by the time they went to week two. It, look, he didn't. He didn't, he clearly didn't trust Chip Long, and he also doesn't trust Brian Kelly and, and Tommy Reese. Now, I take offense to the notion, um, you know, that he was treated unfairly when you can, when if there are three coaches. I mean, is that you? At what point does it become you? But whatever, be that as it may, he didn't have any trust in Nordame. And so it's, so it's the right move. I don't have, I mean, I hope he goes on and has a great college career because it wasn't going to happen for him at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, the change Perhaps scenery, after this year, but. Change of scenery is sometimes overrated. Change of scenery is exactly what he needs, whether he becomes a good quarterback or not. I get here, The only where I'd push back, like, presumably, is maybe a good segue into the coaching stuff. If Notre Dame hires Joe Moorhead, who was involved in recruiting Phil, to Penn State, mm-hmm. wouldn't have that been the ideal situation? Yeah, and I and I wrote that too. I mean, I, you had to be at least initially. You had to be a little surprised when he put his name in the in the transfer portal. When he did, it's like, man, don't you at least want to see if it's Joe Moorhead? We know that you like, you know that you have a, we know you have a relationship with him. But again, I think that gets back to the just a lack of trust in the big term Notre Dame, which I, I guess is mainly other coaches, all you know, that are still on the staff. So there we are. Um, and again, this week's topic was last week's topic in terms of coordinators. Such a fun topic, too. It was. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I we okay. put out a story shortly thereafter. <laughs> I think we were, we are pretty well, we were pretty much on it right from the beginning. Joe Moorhead, Todd Munkin, Tommy Reese. I think it's, at least right now, I think it's going to come from that group. Joe Moorhead interviewed with Oregon, Tommy Reese interviewed with Oregon. Uh, Jeff uh, Todd Munkin, I want to call, keep calling him Jeff Munkin. Um, yeah, me too. That's going to be a problem. That would be yeah. really freaky. That would be incredible. Yes. The, the Army coach yes. with his uh, triple option, triple option football. They are cousins. They're not yeah. brothers. They're they're cousins. Um, he was at Notre Dame a long, long time ago, the early '90s. He's bounced around a lot. He's had a lot of great success. I think we talked about this all uh, last week. I mean, at at, uh, at Oklahoma State, they put up massive numbers with him. Uh, so as of right now, it looks like it'll come from those three. Uh, we also we mentioned Christian Parker, the DB coach. He's with the Packers. I think that there's a lean in that direction. Durante Jones is a is a name that has come up as well. I mentioned Mike Mickens last week. I'm not sure how realistic that is. Moorhead would still be the guy for me. I, I mean, mean that's from the from the moment he was let go at Mississippi State. That was the guy that made the most sense, assuming the personalities all work together. Yeah, it, it, that would be the only reason that he would be the guy for me, whether they hire him or not. <laughs> Whatever I see, if, if the personalities somehow don't mesh, then we don't we wouldn't know uh, that I, we were not we wouldn't be privy to that until after the fact, like I, we found out uh, in December. And what if Oregon? What if Oregon offered him? I don't know what what would what would be an outrageous figure in twenty twenty for an offensive coordinator? Uh, well, I mean, he's still getting paid by Mississippi State, so yeah, you can he'll you be can, banking. No, there's no a doubt. Lot regardless. He does not, he does not need he to does, break the bank wherever well, he signs. He does Look, not need Joe, to take a discount though either. Like right. just because right. you have, but if he really would want to right. be in Notre Dame, he could take a discount because he's getting paid by Yeah, it's all offset. So, yeah, anyway. what if Oregon were to offer him the kind of money that they that Texas A&M offered Mike Elko no, a couple you, years you'd ago? Take them. He becomes super rich and run around with Stay Puff Charmin defenses in the Pac-12 right. and score. I mean, I just I I can't help but look at it from a Notre Dame perspective on that that you there has to be a line where, that you draw because once you cross that line, 
then you have to pay everybody at an outrageous figure. I know they can afford it. That's not the point. The point is you got to try to keep things in perspective in the present day and what happens then in the future. Well, it would come down to how much. If you're drawing a line, you also have another option. And we, Brian Kelly does have another option in his mind. It was Tommy Reese. You don't draw a line as necessarily without another option, right? Well, that's a he can fall back yeah, on that that's, without that's any I mean. doubt. You have an easy fallback. I don't think I don't think Oregon's going to going to offer Tommy Reese the coordinator job. No, Mario Cristobal wants a proven play caller right. for that. As, it's as a good he, idea, as he should. But yeah. it's a it's a, that's a smart. I think that's a smart interview by Oregon because you're looking at a young guy that hey, you know, maybe this guy, maybe down the down the road it would be somebody yeah. we want. And for Tommy Reese, it's an interview opportunity that you absolutely take. You know, yes. from the Pac-12 and and. Uh, if nothing else, you know, get some practice at the interview process. I mean, Joe Moorhead, I don't know what the line would be, but, like, if Chip Long was making a, a little over a million dollars if he had come back this year, if I am Notre Dame, I would not have an issue going to 1.5 on that. No, I would not if you're already going to do that. Right. Long. I just don't. I don't get it. I, I wouldn't understand I, any hesitancy. I, about I that. wouldn't think there would be a hesitancy with that. Well, Reed Reese, Reed Reese, yeah. Reese is in his second, third official year because he was technically a technically in the grad assistant pay bin in his first year. I, I mean, would he be moving? He is getting a raise if he becomes co-offensive coordinator or, any, or really anything else, even if he doesn't. I think that, Tommy right? Reese probably gets the co before his name. Regardless, regardless of how much is I, I, involved, I agree with you. No. I think so. Yeah. That's what. We, yeah, I think we've said that on our last yeah. right couple. Podcasts. I mean, he did spend his first year making. He was a graduate assistant. He wasn't. He was a full time quarterbacks coach. But, but the money comes out of the grad like assistant one. pool, and that pool is nothing compared right. to the assistant right. coach. Right. Pool. Right. So, I mean, but I, there seems to be that opinion out there that like, why does Brian Kelly owe Tommy Reese? It's not a matter of that. Tommy Reese is an up and coming. Yeah quality offensive coordinator who had a great mind as a player and should have as a play caller. The frustrated Notre Dame fans, I, I have to say, would be more open to hiring the quarterback coach from within if that quarterback coach was a 28-year-old quarterback from a different school not named Tommy Reese right now. They would see him as an that's up-and-coming said, player that's other said, than it, as the guy they didn't it, like at Notre Dame. If it was Brady Quinn. Right, yes. Oh, or, or, yeah. or, or, that, or that. that. Perfect, yeah. All right, well, we've got... A ton of questions on that in the second segment. I don't want to walk all over those. Is Brady Quinn an option? Because this is getting good. No, he's, he's, not, not, he's, he's not, not involved he's in okay. coaching. He's right? has realized that he has no interest in it. He's very smart. He's in the right yeah. business. Smart dude. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I think those are the names right now. Um, if it changes, we'll, we'll let you know about it. Segment two coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards, and we start with a question from N.E. Davis 2. What does the loss of Phil Dracovic do to the quarterback room? Makes it shorter. I mean, they're, now all the quarterbacks look the same, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, that's... Oh, yeah. You, yeah, don't, you don't have an outlier anymore. They, they All the quarterbacks are sort of cut from the same... 
dimensions. I'm not sure that that's what any Davis no. two is asking. <laughs> exactly. Know, I'm going to – I don't think Dracovic would have been a winning quarterback at Notre Dame. Um, but I will say we – far too often people will say, well, Brendan Clark was pushing him anyway. Brendan Clark was pushing him partly because Phil Dracovic wasn't completely focused on becoming a better backup quarterback. They had this – Brian Kelly offers this. They had a sit-down, got him refocused after the spring – and then I think Dracovic was better than Brendan Clark. Because what we know about Brendan Clark is we don't know about Brendan Clark. Well, we that's know true. what the problems with no, that, Dracovic were. We don't know the warts of other backups right now. No, that's true. And when, when, when Dracovic came out uncertain about how he wanted to throw the football, that allowed Clark, that's what you're saying, Yeah, that allowed Clark to, to make advances. But, by the, but at a certain point then, the practices became closed, and we didn't see Clark anymore. And, you know, I mean... We don't I don't like want to read enough, too. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't yeah. want to read too much in the way Phil Dracovic played in mop-up time, but he played pretty well. He did a he did a pretty nice job. So obviously, he made strides to to take control of. You that. can look bad in mop-up time too. Exactly. Right? No, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, was it due to the room? I, I mean, we have another question here. I guess oh, I'll save a, some. Four is too many. I'll say four is too many. In this day four, and four, age, yeah. in this day and age, four is too many. I, I'm not sure when four is going to be realistic again. The last time was 2007. Nothing to do with that team. And then by the time we had week two come along, there was two. Yep. There's a reason for it. They they play. They started. They transfer. It's the position. Yeah, that's just the way it is now. CMU Pens fan Ian Book in Instagram uh, did not exactly seem to be shedding tears over the transfer of Phil Dracovic. Does this become a case of addition? By subtraction for the 2020 squad. I do not speak Instagram, so I'll let you guys go. No, I, no, no idea what the hell he meant. So whatever. <laughs> the circle got closer, maybe. I, 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 I don't read anything. I am a, yeah. Because I'm an old guy, I am often, when, when people read stuff into it, I'm like, well, really? Are you sure of that? And everybody seems to be sure about it. So I just figure that I don't know. I don't think, Matt, you know, I don't think any of us ever. bother with ever, I, thing. Yeah, I don't. First of all, I don't think. How, what, however it was meant, I don't think Ian Book should have sent out on Instagram. Secondly, because of how it can be construed, you're saying. No yeah, what, I mean, yeah. I just don't know why that was necessary. And secondly, addition by subtraction, I don't know Phil Dracovic. I don't know that he was a he was a cancer on the team. I don't know that anybody ever felt that way. I think as much of a separation as Book has from Dracovic, that's not the same separation Dracovic to the others. But if you lose Ian Book. Wait, second half of Wake Forest. I think you'd rather have a well-prepared junior, Dracovic, for the next couple games in October than the true yeah. freshman. I mean, also, it's like the answer to the first question is: What is the loss? It hurts their depth and makes them less prepared to win with their backup quarterback. Yes, that's a, that's a great bottom line. Yeah, but I, I I haven't heard anything on the Dracovic book relationship that would make me think that there was there was some like negative toxicity there, uh, other than. I think Dracovic just left. I don't think he said, hey, guys, I'm out of here. He just left. Yeah, I mean, that, that happens all the time, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Look, there's, there's, no, there's also no question that Ian Book is aware that there is a section of the fan base and some media that thinks Phil Dracovic should start. That's true. And that would probably make it a little bit weird. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I... And, well, I, I mean, in his book's commentary may be more directed towards like, hey, shut the hell up. Like, it's, like, like it's, when he did yeah, shush it's my, to the it's, fans? Yeah, it's my job. Um, 
and then just you it move forward with that. It was not his job, though. Like, it was never even close to not being his job. No, I'm just you saying, know, if, it, if you're aware of the criticism that you're yeah. getting, that Phil Jakovic should be starting, um, maybe it's maybe it's a more of a reaction to people that are people who are critics of him. Right. Look, it's, you know, Tyler James screenshotted that email he got that, you know, somebody <laughs> oh, hopes God. that Book throws 90 yes. interceptions and zero touchdowns. Um, you know, that kind of stuff is out there. Um, you see Gilman responded? Yeah. <laughs> 90, bro. <laughs> it just That would be fun yeah, for a while. That would be. He is just <laughs> he's aware of that. So maybe maybe it's more a reaction. Yeah, I I just you know, you're a captain at Notre Dame. I'm not sure that that was necessary. MN Irish 2019. Uh, apologies if you're a Vikings fan. The 49ers took care of business. Which is more impactful to Notre Dame football 2020, the departure of Dracovic or the return of Sean Crawford? Does Ian Book stay healthy? Yeah, that I, that's what comes into play here. Yeah, I, mean, just, I think just it's still Sean surface. Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> because if Ian Book doesn't stay healthy, Phil Dracovic and either Clark Pine are only about a game and a half difference, and then it won't that won't matter. Because no one cares if they're eight and four, seven and five, or nine and three. Yeah. So I would say Crawford gives them the chance to compete. Yeah, I mean when you look at the cornerback situation, um like the notion that I think Dracovic is probably better than Brendan Clark right now and Drew Pine. But the notion that he's like six games better is ridiculous. It's the rest of the team that matters. You don't Phil Dracovic doesn't go make someone a winner. Trevor Lawrence does, but like what Phil Dracovic's gonna go somewhere and be at seven game difference? No. Well, I, I don't no I I'm so in other he words might be they Boston College might win 10, 11, 12 games with yeah, him there, okay. I'm hearing. In three years. If Ian Book gets hurt, the difference between Dracovic and Brendan Clark, Drew Pine is about a game. And a half. Maybe Let's say two. two. Let's yeah, say two. Maybe, yeah. Okay. okay. I, yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, what's Sean the difference Crawford's between Book huge. and Dracovic? Yeah. Only three games. What, so, ten, yeah. ten to two to eight and four? Yeah. So then the other guys are eight and four to seven and five. Yeah. So maybe Crawford is. No matter what. Yeah. Crawford <laughs> is the answer regardless of what's going on with Ian Book. I'm glad Sean Crawford's coming back. That much I know. Dashing well, Domer. That was well said, yep. Pete. That yeah. book to Cro- if Book to Dracovic's only two games, yeah, Dracovic to Clark is only one game. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, too much right. time on, like, well, what's the difference between Clark and right. Dracovic? Well, what's the difference between Book and yeah, Dracovic? Just a I mean, it's significance, but it's two games. Yeah. Um, Dashing Domer, what have you seen or heard about the caliber of player Brendan Clark might be? I know I know he was considered a a scrapper and tough. I, he, had a, he had a broken finger at one point in August, maybe early September, Played through it. Um, you know, I know that there are p- people on the periphery that, that that you know, stand by Brendan Clark and his toughness and what he's going to do. We'll see about all that. We'll I liked see about that. Clark recruiting. Pete liked him the most, I think, in recruiting. But I liked him. I, I, thought, I expected yeah. to turn on the film and not see what I saw. I was like, oh, he looks better than everybody has told me when I looked at him on I think film. He, yeah. I think he runs better than yeah, right. maybe people realize. Yeah. I, I, like the, I like the shorter, more compact throwing motion. You know, is he a big time? I mean, I think a lot of people, if Brendan Clark at some point within the next year or two is playing quarterback, um, he will be. They're going to, well, at some point, to, probably. Yeah, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, we're going to hear the same thing we heard about Ian Book and the three star quarterback, and he's not good enough, and no matter what he does. Well, he's, I mean, they're similar players. You know, they're multi sport athletes, um, they're both not huge. Um, I think they're both probably more athletic than people give them credit for. I think they both have decent arms, but not cannons. So, yeah, I, I think that you'll probably hear a lot of EMBO yes. comparisons yes. when Brendan Clark gets in the game. Or Drew Pine. 
may be that as well. That uh, He's high on my list of early enrollees, and I'm curious to see yeah. what he looks like in person. Especially now. The, yeah. The Drew Pine early enrollee just became a foresight of all time by him. That's He's in the running. Uh, well, he, I mean, you know, you, you, your starting quarterback is totally established. Right. So you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to drill him to, to exhaustion in the spring. Uh, and the other two guys should get a yeah. ton of reps in the spring. Terry Benedict, what's more surprising to you, that Notre Dame hasn't announced a contract extension for Brian Kelly or that Chip Long still doesn't have a job? I'm not surprised by either one because I expected Chip Long to kind of step back and see what the opportunities are. I think the NFL is is an opportunity there too. And as far as a contract extension, you can't put a damn timetable on these things. Have people been I mean, you read too much into it. He's going to get his contract extension, but how do we know what their timetable is or should be? It's st- it's. He's also not a lame duck going into this year. Right, it's, it's, Jan- it's, two right. Years it's, away. Yeah. it's January thirteenth. Yeah. Why? Why is that? I don't understand why that. This would be a good question for June, if both things still applied. Oh, well, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it then, would be a good question. Be, then I would be like, their timetable. Their timetable <laughs> should be right now. <laughs> Like, yeah, because then you're walking into yeah, lame duck status. Yeah, so but but January, starts. it's okay because ultimately the, the issue with the contract being held up is it has more to do with like what's in the contract, yeah. not whether Brian Kelly wants to sign now, it Now, you know, certainly within two months, I think it's a legitimate question. Yeah, I think it will be this offseason. I'm, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened, yeah. that it didn't happen in December. I thought that they would try to do and it actually, like as a bow on the I mean, season. I mean, there's, there's obviously there's a greater sense of urgency for Chip Long to go somewhere than for Brian Kelly's contract. I don't know extended. if that's true either though because he's getting paid by Notre Dame I mean he had a multi-year deal that he'll just true get, but he doesn't want to, he wants to work next yeah fall. I think I think he will be an analyst had, at Purdue had, oh really I had, I had, analyst I for a year yeah then, I think he will take a step back like you just said the NFL maybe happens maybe it doesn't but I think his worst case scenario and this is not that terrible is he goes work for Jeff Brom sort of refreshes his playbook as an analyst and continues to get checks from and, South Bend. And why Purdue? Jeff Brom. From they're the, like from best the friends. From the days. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're in each okay. other's weddings. Um, okay. Like if, right. I, if I wanted to be like, you know what, I need, let me refresh my playbook. Who's a guy that has a good one and knows how to call okay. it, knows how to deal with people? Jeff Brom, boom. That's right. a guy to get Temporary brain cramp on my part. My worst, case, worst case scenario would probably be analyst at Boston College, but I digress on that one. <laughs> Redbeard14, with the outside interest in Reese, is there any concern that this is becoming a promote him or lose him situation? No, I don't think so. I wouldn't go there yet. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's it. I think he wants to be at Notre Dame as long as Notre Dame is fair to him. Is that a fair way to say yeah. it? Yeah, well, he should yeah. be promoted regardless yeah. of who is the OC, right. even if it's not him. There's a couple questions I think to tie in. Let me go ahead and just go ahead and ask them. TDISU19, does Reese interviewing with Oregon signal that Brian Kelly has made him aware that he wants to move in a different direction, or is Reese just keeping all options open? And then BWAC 29, if you're Tommy Reese and you don't get the Notre Dame OC or co-OC job, does it make more sense to stay as quarterback coach at Notre Dame or find a group of five offensive coordinator position to prove his ability to run his own offense? All right, we got a lot to cover there. I apologize. but He's still in his 20s, so I don't see why there would be a rush to – be a group of five OC and run his own offense. Joe that, Moorhead would be a two-year hire, too, no matter what the contract says, because he wants to become a head coach again. Well, I think the contract will say that. 
Oh, think, two-year contract. I do okay. think the contract okay. will say that, yes. But that's what he wants, his goal. Sure. And that's what they all should be when you're hiring a good coordinator. Sure. Unless it's Brent Venables and he just ruins everybody else's life for a long time. <laughs> so, I mean, is there concern about becoming a, a promote-him-or-lose-him situation? I don't know that Notre Dame's necessarily looking at it that way because if he were to go to somewhere else, somewhere else and be a coordinator, that would make him that much more attractive to come back to Notre Dame and do it. So I don't think it's a situation like that. Does interviewing with Oregon signal that Brian Kelly has made him aware that he wants to move in a different direction? I don't think that's the case at I all. I definitely don't think that's the case. No, I think that you know the promote him or lose him, like if Mario Cristobal had a different opinion about what he was looking for in his next OC, then Notre Dame probably would have already lost Tommy Reese to Oregon. But Cristobal wants an experienced yeah. play caller, so that Reese doesn't fit that bill. And I think Reese should... I mean, do you stay a quarterback coach or do you become a, a coordinator at Tulsa? I would say a quarterback coach at Notre Dame because of the two-year thing I said about Moorhead. You're in, you could be the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame in two in three years. Well, that's true, but but then he he but he would More get experience years. even if it was. What if Joe Moorhead and Notre Dame go twelve and 0, 12 and one? Doesn't Joe Moorhead jump right back into coaching? Possibly they sure score does, thirty nine points a game, right? You know? And then at that point, Tommy Reese has two years of experience yeah. as an offensive coordinator somewhere else. Oh wait, Notre Dame went twelve and zero. Can we could talk more about that? They have to get more of Joe Moorhead leaving. They have to get Moorhead first. Yeah, <laughs> I say, look, that would be a great scenario if Reese was the OC going into twenty twenty one because Joe Moorhead is now the head coach at Indiana, right? And th- but <laughs> because see, the, they went twelve and zero. The co coordinator thing. If he's not calling plays, you you lose. Yeah. The value of that. It's a collaboration. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's communications the key, it's, remember? I, I, look, I think I think Joe Moorhood would be a great communicator and help teach Tommy Reese how to be a coordinator, whereas I don't think Chip Long gave a damn about that. Um, so I, I just want to kind of jumble this all together and kind of talk about it because I, I, I think there's value in actually being a not the not the coordinator title. I mean, Mike Sanford was a coordinator at Nordane for two years. And never called a play. It's calling plays under pressure, game on the line. Mm-hmm. Not as much at Tulsa and Notre Dame, of course, but it, but if Joe Moorhead's here, it's not going to be Tommy Reese calling the plays, even if he is co-coordinator. More Redbeard, 14. Let's say Moorhead become, does come in as OC. Does Tommy Reese move to another position, or does Moorhead just coach the tight ends? I stand by what I said last week. Name me a great technical tight ends coach. I can only name Chip Long. Okay. So was one. Mike Denbrock. I, I, I still think you could make her. I mean, he turned out NFL tight ends. I mean, you, 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 you get what I'm saying. Like, I, oh, we're totally it's with like, you. Like, oh, you're 6'5", 255, and can run. Uh, I mean, it's like Brian Polian uh, with Justin Yoon, the joke that you made. Yes. It's like, you know, when J- Justin Yoon misses a kick, you know, Brian Polian, he makes some tweaks and adjustments, but for the most part, it's like, I got it. You know, he's a fourth-year kicker. I think with a tight end, if it's, you know, a Cole Komet-level player, is there coaching to be done? Absolutely, there is. But can more than one person do it? I just can't. Absolutely I just cannot is. name a great tight, technical tight ends. Hey, that's coach. why. That's why I think it would make sense here to make Brian Polian your tight ends coach, mm. and then Moorhead is the offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese stays as quarterbacks coach, but because Moorhead's not specifically coaching a position, he can work with the quarterbacks as much as he wants. He has the freedom to do that as the offensive coordinator. I like that idea. Brian Polian, I don't believe, has ever coached tight ends, but Brian Polian, Polian's a good football coach. He can, with his enthusiasm yeah. and, and his ability to communicate, 
he would be just fine there. He could They're continue all with him to be, on special teams anyways. <laughs> right. He could continue to <laughs> be special. And if you wanted to give some special teams responsibility to somebody else, maybe you could do that too. I, I, I mean, I don't even know if that's... It's an interesting idea. I mean, the recruiting coordinator would seems yeah. like kind of a hiccup there, but, I, but yeah, in yeah, general, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I, the idea. I, I, I underestimate that part of it and that. So maybe you would need somebody to take some of the special teams' burden off of him. Look, I mean, this... I'm sure you could have a GA or a analyst some way, probably more GA. I think there are some rules involved here. Yes. But like a GA could coach the Titans the same way that GA coached the Titans. For right. The or week. the or the tight ends work with Dell Alexander more when it comes to the passing game. I you and know Quinn I, I, with the run game. Yeah. I mean there there are a multitude of ways you can handle this. And then that way that way Tommy Reese could still stay with the quarterbacks, which I'm sure that's what he wants to do. And Joe Moorhead could still stay hands on with the quarterbacks and be able to float a little bit more as a coordinator. I have no idea if that's – actually, I shouldn't say I have no idea if that's feasible. There's one indication that that might be feasible, and I'm kind of running with it from that point. So, fair <laughs> enough. How's that? Right? Yes. I, the Pursuit, Inc. 77, what is the ideal OC scenario? What is the likely scenario? What is the worst-case scenario? Ideal, ideal scenario has more head here. Agreed. Uh, whether that's coal with Reese or whatever, all the things that we just talked about. Are we at to the point where that's likely, you think? I think the likely is that's Reese. You know, and Moorhead is not here? Reese in some way. Yeah, but I... You're not answering my question. No, I'm not. Um, I would... Look... The most likely thing is that Tommy Reese is still involved as co-OC. I would agree with that. But Joe Moorhead... Notre Dame wants Joe Moorhead. I've got to believe Joe Moorhead wants to come to Notre Dame. I've was I've told that he does. Okay, that's why I'm saying. Okay, let's make this match so happen. Brian He's Kelly from, has to get get this done. What I, are you telling me? I I'm sure that a lot is going to happen this week that will we will know, I think that we will know one way or another at some point this week. I don't hold me to that, but I think that a lot is going to happen this week, and I. You know, a, a guy from that's why when when I heard he was going out to Oregon, this is a guy from Pittsburgh. Okay, you been to Eugene, Oregon? I have multiple times. My brother lives there. I do not believe for a second that Joe Moorhead would fit in Eugene, Oregon. Now, for the right price, you can fit yeah, anywhere, right? Say, yeah, it's like they have nice neighborhoods. <laughs> but I just, sure I just they have cool houses. I've just got to believe that Joe Moorhead and Notre Dame and Notre like Dame wine? and Joe There's Moorhead. There's a lot going on in Oregon. They <laughs> want, no, Oregon's cool. I just don't think that a guy from Pittsburgh necessarily is going, to, going to find that. I think both sides want each other, and so that's more likely to happen. Okay, what, what's the worst case outcome? Diedrich. No, jeez. <laughs> I wrote I I wrote Bill Diedrich this morning because I went over you know the history like of a letter <laughs> no the history of <laughs> his name his yeah. name I think there have only been fifteen offensive coordinators in the history of Notre Dame because they didn't start doing coordinators sure. until mm. I mean with the title yeah yeah because Tom Pagna was you know heavily involved with Air Parsegian but Tom Lichtenberg in 1981 was the first Notre Dame coach to oh, have that title. that's also worst-case scenario right there. Tom Lichtenberg? Yes, bringing back Faust's offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that Tom Lichtenberg call. is still alive, I, so that would, that would be yes. uh, problematic. But um, See myself out? Worst case, worst case, I guess, would be Reese Taylor as co-coordinators. At least, I mean, based upon the way Notre Dame fans are going to react. <laughs> You're just thinking of our lives. To, I mean, because, yeah. Months. Right, yeah. yeah, because you have Todd Munkin involved now. And you well, have you, didn't bring, you so. lost talent and you didn't bring in any. You didn't bring in talent and you lost talent. 
from the offensive room. I still think I still think I still think there's a good chance that Tommy Reese being named offensive coordinator coordinator right now could work right from the outset. But I understand completely why most people don't want that to happen. Wash Indy, who are some players you have your eye on that have a chance to surprise and make a big jump this spring? Uh, I mean, I'm sort of doing these advanced two yeah. deep stories. And I'm sure you guys are well. And like, I, every time I get to KJ Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford, that's sort of where I stop. Is like these are the guys I'm most interested to see during spring practice because like that's that's the difference between Notre Dame having a great defense to me or just a really good one. Because the luxury is they should have two good corners now. Yeah, in I mean, Gracie and Crawford. I've, I've, so that, but you need for, a third. You need. For, a third, yeah, it's yeah. like this has nothing to do with Sean Crawford and his history of injuries. Right. It's just the reality that you have to have three and probably four cornerbacks to have a functional defense in twenty twenty. Yeah, we did a whole breakdown of these things. Those guys are the ones that are that were scout team three or three deepers that have to be good this year. Which is Kevin Austin's the obvious. Of course, he's the most intriguing player yeah, in but, all of spring but ball. it's like we've seen... Yes, we know what they have there, and everybody's like, about to find out what they have like there. That's like the national, like, so Stu Mandel is, like, doing his way too early, and he's like, what do you think about Notre Dame? And I was like, well, you make sure you mention Kevin Austin and Isaiah Pryor. But, like, the deep-cut Notre Dame fan, most interesting, is probably is more the K.J. Wallace, Isaiah Rutherford. We That's should, how I describe it. We should it. add Cam Hart to that, though. Well, I mean, I was going to say, like, shoulder? Yeah, that, oh, yeah, it's I your injury, isn't it? Yeah, That's I don't your, think he's, You don't like shoulders. Anybody that has CB in front of his name, I'm interested right. in. And that inclu- includes uh, Caleb Alford, early entry freshman. But, but I totally agree with you, Pete. I mean, Wallace, Rutherford, and Hart... How bad is his shoulder? I mean, he was not dressing at the end of the year, yeah. so and it so happened that, in mid-November. Yeah, that I don't, adds up a little. I don't think a shoulder surgery is you're going to get like a great yeah. look at him. So Wallace and Rutherford and Offord and Ramon Henderson's in early as well. I know he projects Two more years as a safety down the line too. Yeah, hoping. Yeah, projects more as yeah. a safety too. But I mean, I think anybody that is lining up on the back end of the defense is very interesting to us, including. Isaiah Pryor. Uh, and I think Isaiah Foskey is a guy that can make the massive leap from end of the year to being a major rotational player for that's Mike another, That's another deep cut. Mm-hmm. Most interesting to see, like, how does the Justin Adamiola and Isaiah Foskey, if that's, I'm assuming they're both going to be aligned, you know, Adamiola will be two, Foskey will be three. Does it stay that way? Is that an open competition? Do they have to move? How does yeah. all that work out? I think Justin Abneola moves to the strong side. Yeah, I think just because you have Ovi, a go for Right, exactly. I, you talk about deep cut. Uh, how about Kendall Abdul-Rahman? That's another, that's, another, that's another receiver that I don't think anybody no. has asked about. But He's got to do a restart, kind of. No, I know, but I mean, we're talking to think about, just think about the athlete that came in last year. He's a, he's a dynamic, spectacular athlete. And then how can, you, how can you not answer this question without throwing Kevin Austin's name into it? I did. Oh, we did? Oh, you did. I'm yeah. sorry, because yeah. I was yes. looking at uh, Kendall. It was Abdur-Rahman. the most obvious answer. <laughs> yeah. sorry, you probably wanted to move on to something uh, a little more uh, Mer- interesting. 12 Mer- touchdowns. What? Yeah. Okay. There's... <laughs> yeah. Why Joe got... Moorhead moves on after one year because <laughs> exactly. they went 12-0? He's Perfect. going to have 12 touchdowns this year. Yeah, just love oh, Joe, Mo- Mo- Joe Moorhead. Okay. Yes. Uh, Maris Leofop, too. I'm interested. Just I, I don't expect him physically to be ready necessarily. But he's going to be on special teams start to finish. The best compliment you can get when you break down the games those four the four gamers played, like Kaiser and Kyron Williams and everything. Maris Leopold's four games. Georgia, Virginia, USC, and Michigan. They thought highly of Maris yeah, Leopold's ability to cover kicks and punts. That's yep. that's a great one. Um and the reason we didn't talk much about the Buck linebacker is two of the 
highest rated guys that could fight it out will not be taking much contact this spring. It, not taking much in Jack Lamb, probably, and none in Shane Simon. Yeah, no, that's true. So that's just an open yeah. thing to figure right. out. I'm going to try to do a better job of listening to you. Moving forward, <laughs> not Jay Tafel asks, for which players is this a do-or-die spring? Well, they got to be juniors, or it's not fair. That's a, You can't jump to conclusion on sophomores right here. That's a... Uh, well, Brendan Clark's got to hold yeah. off Drew Pine, here you, doesn't he? Here you go. Yeah, no, I mean, those, you've got Priesters written that you kind of just read your names. Yeah, yeah. So okay, right. you've got DJ Brown, Houston Griffith, Jordan Jim Markeith, and Joe Wilkins. I mean, Jim Markeith in particular. He's a senior. Simon yeah, is he's out. Senior. Lamb is out. Like, if you can't lock it down now, man, this right. is, I mean, and this is your last year, um, that, would, that would be one. I would say whichever running back ends up fourth, you would probably look back and be like, ah, that was kind of do or die because Chris Tyree's showing up right. in the summer. It's and die. Yeah, yeah. That's so really it's probably a fight to the death for Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister to see who's And uh, Kyron well, Kyron Williams is another year, yeah. so that's not fair to him. But yeah. It's uh that's a tough yeah, You don't want to figure you don't want to be Kyron Williams and be a distant fourth going into your second year though behind Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister. Whoever's fourth when Chris Tyree shows up is gonna be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Houston Griffith, I mean, cornerback safety, he's got to make a move this spring. He's the most important one on there because you need three safeties. And we're not anoint- we can't anoint Isaiah Pryor to be close to what they're losing in safety either. No, but he was a He wouldn't beat him he, out. He was a backup at Ohio State. So <laughs> yeah. I mean to it go back sounds to, good, but he, he wouldn't beat out Elliot. No, of course not. Of course not. I mean, but it goes back to whoever uh, Isaiah Foskey is behind. Probably has a really important spring coming up, yeah, and we don't even. Too. I mean, we at this point, DJ Brown, we really don't have any idea what his capability is, which is telling in and of itself. Drew Brennan, seventy-seven, Maris Leofile, and Paul Moala. How and where does Notre Dame get these two guys on the field next year? Moala, in particular, with only two years left, needs to get more time in the base defense. I agree with that last sentence. Leofile has four. Um, we have heard that Leofau could eventually grow to the shark position, which is weird to me because really? so many sharks. Yeah, I have yeah, not I think, heard I think, that. Yeah, I don't under, yeah. Nor do I understand that. Well, I don't understand it because of depth. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a yeah. little premature. I yeah. think he needs to show that physically he can stand up and in the long frame. Um, but Moala, two years left, and there's a spot. There's yeah, a spot well, for think, him to go get. I think Mawala yeah. is sitting right there. We're going to see in spring how important they think Mawala is. Now, we had a hint of that last spring, but we didn't know exactly how good Owusu Koromo was going to be, and he's really Top good. He's really player. good. He's really good. We all like Leofile, though. I mean, there's a lot to grow with there. But he has more time. It doesn't have to be this year. Right. People really did. want to get him in there. Yeah, check back in 2021. Yes, that's how I feel about but he, it. But he'll be on, he'll oh, be on all clearly. the special teams now. He's just got a great bounce to him, yeah. you know? I mean, just he just kind of bounds around the football field. and They saved him for their four best opponents. Right, exactly, exactly. I, Dockery, one of you mentioned that you are hearing that the staff is pleased with the younger cornerbacks on roster. Have you heard such optimism about the younger running backs? I have not, although I haven't heard much about the young corners either. I mean, a little bit. I mean, I, I know that they liked some of the things that K.J. Wallace showed. But, I mean, at this time, or coming out of spring last year, they were they liked what Jameer Sh- Smith was showing down at the goal line. I think Sebo Fumister was sort of a little bit of an unknown. Right. He was behind I guess sure. I guess I wouldn't read too much into what we're hearing or not hearing on either of those positions. Um, but... No, I have not heard a ton on the running backs. Well, I, I, you know, when 
in August, K.J. Wallace was making progress. Now, that happens frequently with freshmen. They're given opportunities, and, and they flash, and, and then they go starts, away. Right, yeah. and then they go away. Um, although what I liked about him was that he was a boundary corner despite being a smaller guy, and I think that says a lot about him and his toughness. It, he's and com- Tim and I had heard some things about Rutherford you know, late in the season. He was way behind, and then he wasn't, right, which is good right. for, for so, a freshman. Uh, but – have we heard any of that about the running backs? Not really. I haven't. I think they like Flemister a lot more than they did, as Pete mentioned, nine or 11 months ago, though. He, they started trusting him. Yeah. He did score five I touchdowns. Mean, I, I think him. that at the end of spring ball last year, it was Armstrong <laughs> one, Jones two, Jameer Smith three, Kyron Williams four, and Sebo Flemister five. And now Sebo's way up on that yeah. list. He, he beat out, clearly. Kyron and then Jameer as the season progressed. Sebo's two, yeah. I would think, I think going so into spring practice this time around. M. Solner, who is the third starting cornerback next year after Tariq Bracey and Sean Crawford? I mean, it's a guess now. So my guess is Wallace, just because he's so competitive. He was a, And he was ahead of Rutherford. Yeah. So by definition, he would have to be number three, right? Yes, but we should be fair. Like, he was competitive, and I'm grading on a curve of I knew there was no chance he was going to play. So I'm watching him in August, and Chase Claypool's catching touchdowns off the top of his head like he's a Mm 12-year-old and taunting him. And I like that Wallace punched Claypool. Like, that's what I saw from K.J. Wallace. I like that he was... I remember that, You know, I like that he was that competitive being to be... He was... It was an incredible catch. Look, Chase Claypool did that to every player on Notre Dame's team, so... But that's that's a major. In everybody cur- else's team, yeah, exactly, and all the other teams he played. So, but when the, when Claypool would do that to Pride, we were like, "What's wrong with Pride?" Claypool did it to Wallace. We're like, "Oh, Wallace is tough." So he really has to make plays now too, not just. It's all a matter of perspective. It sure sometimes, is, isn't it? Uh, Jay Weiss, Weiss, what is your prediction for the early enrollee who will stand out the most and push for playing time this spring? Which of the early enrollees do you think will benefit from the extra semester? So it's a one-year question, right? We're not trying to go for more than one let's, year. I'm going let's, let's to quickly name them. It's quarterback Drew Pine, wide receivers Xavier Watts, and Jay Brunel. Skoranek will be in also. Uh, defensive ends Riley Mills, Jordan Botello, Alexander Ehrensberger. Uh, defensive backs Caleb Alford and Ramon Henderson, and of course Isaiah Pryor. I think we want to here as well. scrap the grad transfers yeah, for the sake of this question. Okay. They're one and yeah. two. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there's uh, eight of them Pine Watts, Brunel, Mills, Batello, Ahrensberger, Alford, Henderson. Uh, my early gut reaction would be Watts will push for playing time. I'm not saying that he'll get it because freshman receivers usually don't. I just think that at some point during spring practice, we'll be there, assuming you know we're there for as much as we have been in the past. And Watts will do something. We'll be like, ah, man, that guy's really good. Um, in terms of who will benefit the most, I would go with a power player, and I would pick Riley Mills because I, I think he's going to have an outstanding Notre Dame career. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he... If he was the guy that, because he enrolled early, he was able to factor, like, be a four a four game red shirt that, that this fall, a meaningful four games. Like Foskey had a meaningful one game, he could have a meaningful three of the yeah. four. Type is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, like he will be a value add to the defense this fall because he was here this spring. Not that he's going to start. Not that he's going to be a twenty snap player, but he'll be somebody that the staff can count on for four games to do something at a good level because he was here for a full year. I 
I tend to agree with you for his because of his talent, and he's at the position where the position coach freely wants to rotate as heavily as humanly possible with good players. So there are snaps you can get in those four games, uh, and one of those guys is getting hurt. I mean, there's six, there's so many players in front of you. You, you could play four games out of necessity too. Tim loved Howard Cross coming in. I know you like Riley Mills even more, and that's a role you can put him in. But my guess, who has the biggest impact? Because bad things happen, it's Drew Pine. Oh my God! <laughs> Wait, I thought Notre was going twelve and zero, and Joe Moore not a bad thing. Not a bad. Not a bad things happen. Jeez, <laughs> kind of a podcast. Who's one, who, who's the player that is the best chance with one injury of starting twelve games next year? There's only one. He's second team. He could beat him out, can he? Well, he could, but I well, you don't think Clark has an advantage after being in a program for a I year? I think he has an advantage, but I think Drew Pine enrolling early mitigates part of that advantage. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah. would agree with that. Well, I would definitely put Watts at the top of my list because when I watch him play, I just think that that's a that's a mature physical. We're a one year player. though, right? I'm, I I am definitely one year guy right here. I'm not saying futures. I'm saying next no, year. No, I'm okay. answering yeah. pushing for playing time okay. this spring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I mean I think Watts. Um, I love, I do love Riley Mills. I think there's a great opportunity for Caleb Alford, but I think he's probably going to be overwhelmed this spring because there are like af- actual, you know, full coverages <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> as, as opposed to being a high school corner that you know runs around and makes play cause he plays because he's great. No reflection on their program or anything. No. I have no idea. But to your point, Jalen Elliott talked about the transition, and he's like, "Man, you have." No idea what the transition was like no. for me. He said when he would have played with some safety, he started playing a little bit of safety. Um, the defense, because he had two, um, Ashby from Virginia was on his team, and he had another Division One player at linebacker. So they literally had the run completely stuffed at all times, and the ball was just fluttering in the air once in a while, and the defense was, Jay, go get that. When the ball's in the air, because he's the best athlete he, back there. And he did. And he did. And he went and yeah. got it. Rich, uh, he was the quarterback. Richard Ashby was, a, his was high, teaming. His I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, why do I, I – I do I want to throw out Ramon Henderson because I think he's a pretty unique athlete also. But I and – and I'm probably overrating him because I have all along, but I think Jay Brunel might be a guy that can come in and just do something at receiver. Indy Sushi, who are next year's captains? Ian Book, Sean Crawford, and oh, – Robert Hainsey. Robert Hainsey will, will be one. Exactly. Yeah. Because he already is one. Uh, all right, name one. Let's not go. Let's not go too deep. Let's try to name, or maybe one or two. Two on each side. Just add two players total. One or two. players Yeah. Well, Hainsey yeah. will be one, and right. then defensively, I would give it to. Hmm. I'm going Hayes. I was going to. Yeah, Hayes would be. I think Hayes would probably be the guy for me too. The candidates on defense, the way I see it, would be Hayes, Ugandeji, Ugandeji, Heinish, Drew White. Yeah, those are the only candidates, right? Uh, with Crawford already being one. Those are the ones yeah. I wrote down, so I assumed that that <laughs> you assume you're right. was, no, what, I, I I, was you. what I thought, yeah. yes. I, look, I mean, we've all covered Notre Dame teams where that, God, what are they going to do with these 12 captains? Because there were so many guys that you could pick. And we've covered teams where it's like, I can't name one on that side of the ball. I think this year's a, there's a pretty good balance in terms of personalities. I, yeah, I think it'll be Hayes. And, and, I mean, Hainsey's not getting stripped. I think they've... Book and Hainsey are captains. They will not be stripped of their captaincy. Yeah. Um, 
Crawford is so obvious. I think it was interesting that Isaiah Pryor was like so out front in the South Bend Tribune about like, I want to be the first graduate transfer named a captain. No one outworks me. Because like, to me, I mean, one of the big questions about Norm's defense is it's less about replacing Alohi Gilman, the player, and more about the attitude. I Um, totally agree with you. I am not... I don't know nearly enough about Isaiah Pryor to say any he has a Alohi Gilman attitude because that would be insulting to Alohi Gilman. But uh, if that's a possibility, uh, that would be a really good thing. Even if he's not named captain, it's yeah. a great thing. Did it we mention Tommy play. Kramer? I don't see no, him adding because of Hainsey. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's no, a slight I'm to Eichenberg too to name one of those two a little bit, isn't it? Well, and. It- yeah, I get. I mean, I wrote down Brock Wright's name too. I don't know that that's realistic, but um, I mean, he's been playing since he was a freshman. Well, it was Cole Komet was the name was the yeah, name here yeah, for yeah. sure. Cole Komet yeah. was the captain. I mean, that was a without blinking. He was practically a captain last year. He already had seven of them. So you, Crawford, definitely. Are you you guys agreeing with that? I'll go with Crawford. Yeah, sure. Book Crawford, Hainsey. So that's definitely three. And I think we mentioned one, two, three, four, five. Not him. As long as Hayes makes it through healthy when they're by the time they've named captains, I like Dalen Hayes in that role. Yeah, I do too. I think Kurt Heinisch probably feels he should be a captain. Let's give him a captain too. They give it out to everybody nowadays. It's fine, <laughs> right? All right, we're gonna we will. Uh, they all go play basketball. They'll all be captains. Yeah. Be a senior. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, their percentage of captains is much higher than football. <laughs> if you're not named a captain, there's a senior. Man, there's a problem. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's the end of our questions. We do uh, have a little football game that's going to be played tonight, and that's LSU and Clemson. Clemson, a five and a half point underdog in this game, over under 69 and a half. Who are you rooting for? What do you want to win? Uh, I want LSU to win. How about you? I don't root. You don't, don't root, root even in these? You don't sit there and watch the game and, and start pulling for a team? I mean, I, 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 I would I, <laughs> yes, I would be yes. disingenuous if if I said no, a hundred percent no. I'm I don't. Clemson. I mean, I, who? Yeah. Do does anybody other than Clemson fan want to see them win for the third time in four years? I'm rooting for Clemson. It'd be fun if they're thirty and zero, and then thirty. Oh, okay. Now there is that. There is thirty eight game win streak. Lawrence. That's really the only Notre Dame angle. Okay. That's the Notre Dame that's, angle. That's for the only. That's yeah. the only reason I guess I would would pull for them. I I think it's going to be. I think it's a great matchup. Um, I do like the over because I think in a game like this, well, what did you say? You start at 60? Yes. What these two teams, you have to figure they're going to get to about 30, right? Two living, breathing quarterbacks. Two. All, <laughs> this is the third. I saw this tweet. I wish I could credit the person, but it was right before I walked in here. This is the third time in 50 years that potentially two number one pick quarterbacks will have squared off. I believe that was Matt Brown from The Athletic. Good job. Nice. I'm glad you were here. To He's a good historical. But uh, it was. The one I never would have guessed in a million years: Tim Couch and Peyton Manning in the uh, wow in a, in a game. Wow! <laughs> and then Vinny and uh, Aikman when Aikman was in Oklahoma. And this one has higher stakes than the Couch Manning game for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, basically that Oklahoma Miami game was a national title game well, too. But... I, you know, I five and a half. I think LSU wins. I think LSU wins. I think I, I think it's LSU's year. I mean, I I. You know, I think the Heisman jinx, you know, which frequently happens in a bowl game. I don't know necessarily about championship. He's already played his game, though. Like he, that that jinx well, is because of the could banquet be, circuit. Could it be a Lamar Jackson? I mean, I know Lamar seven Jackson. Touchdowns and a half. Yeah, yeah. L- Lamar Jackson put up big numbers this weekend, but 
you know, they lost. He didn't ultimately turn the ball over a bunch. Um, I think the Heisman thing is more to do with you hit the banquet circuit for a month. You haven't played in a month. Yeah. Then, and you have yeah, pressure was, on you you didn't used to have yeah. in the past. You know? I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of Clemson's defensive matchups against LSU's five out on every pass play skill weapons. Like, I, Watching Clemson's middle linebackers, I see a lot of like Ben Bolwer types. Uh, and if you're going to spread them out, I don't think there's, I don't think that they're going to run with LSU at all. I mean, I think Isaiah Simmons and AJ Terrell are great, but I think I think they're going to hit hit by LSU in a way that, as we watched a lot of Clemson film last year, and saw like eh, Tanner Muse is not really doing a lot for me. Um, I just I know Dabo Swinney thinks that the back seven they have is one of the best he's ever had. I don't think he's going to feel that way after tonight. What about LSU's defense? I mean, who, are you saying LSU has a better defense than Clemson? No, I think LSU's offense is the best thing in the okay, game. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, I think they're better than I'm going with LSU. I think for Clemson, I think for Clemson to win, the key is ATN gets the ball more than usual. That You need to keep the ball away a little bit. His game-winning touchdown against Ohio State... Yeah. I, I just love that clip. I can't see that clip enough because he, there's absolutely yes. no way you are going to stop me from scoring on this play. No, he's led the nation in yards after contact. And you know what? You don't need to save him for anything anymore. This is his final game in a Clemson yeah. uniform. He yeah. should get the ball more than he did against Ohio State. All right, so who do you have? <laughs> I think LSU Pick it against the spread. Or, L- but L- LSU covering five. L- okay. LSU cover. And I want Clemson because I have rooting interests. Yeah, and I know this. I know this usually doesn't happen, but I'll take Clemson covering, but LSU winning. It's usually the right. You should just take Clemson. Well, you get your I'm, get your plus one ninety, Tim. Let them win it. Trevor I, Lawrence I, coming down. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence down five or down six at the end. Yeah, I wouldn't mind yeah, looking, looking forward to it. Hope it's as great a game as it appears to be. Thanks for joining us. We are on a Monday schedule, so we will be back at it on Monday, January twentieth. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.